Alrighty, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly. It's episode number 451, and we're recording live on February the 12th. Abriana, how are you? How was your week? It's good. Just got back last night. I was in um, Palm Springs or Desert Palm or one of those palms, California, mm -hmm. like all within 20 minutes of each other, you know. Um, for an IAB leadership summit, and it was good. So I'm a little bit jet lagged today, but not too terribly. Um, like yeah, everything's like a palm something there. It's sort of like in your part of the world, everything's a peach tree, right? Yeah, it is, right? It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lots of palm trees. So, um, but it was actually not super sunny California weather. It was a little colder, and it rain. It had snowed actually the the Saturday before I went in Atlanta, like big ginormous snowflakes. So okay. that was kind of fun. Um, and that lasts like three hours, which is like perfect, you know, time period for a snow and, you know, long enough for the kids to go out and play in it and then quick enough to melt and the roads to be fine. That's what we need here. In the there you go. Well, we, we haven't had any snow recently, so you could, you probably got more recent snow than me. So, which is kind of weird, but yeah. So you had some recent uh, conferences. How were those? What were some exciting topics there? Yeah, I was in Europe last week. Uh, quick stop in London uh, around the, the new startup and kind of looking at uh, all the cannabis CBD stuff that's going on there on the medical side. And then uh, the, uh, it was in Germany and we had uh, our LOCA conference, which is our big LVMA European uh, event. And it was, it was good, really good turnout. A lot of brands, um, especially on the retail side, um, a lot of the sort of the big box type of retailers uh, came out and some interesting, like some newspaper companies and you know, a whole mixture of brands. Um, so yeah, I was, I was quite happy other than the fact that most of the content was in German. Um, so I can read most of it. I just can't speak it. So yeah. I, I could get by. I knew what they were talking about. There, <laughs> was, there were some really good presentations, um, really high level uh, content. So yeah, good event all around. I'm back over there next month. Uh, obviously we have uh, POS Connect and Internet World uh, uh, um, Congress, and uh, sorry, Expo Congress. I'm thinking about Mobile World Congress. Internet World Expo and POS Connect um, coming up next month in Munich. So we'll, uh, we have a big presence there for the LBMA. So anyhow. Yeah, that's cool. There was lots of um, good discussions around this whole cookie-less environment we are moving into from an advertising, ad tech, martech perspective. Um, and of course, lots of conversation on, you know, what's happening in OTT and CTV. Um, so it was good for, you know, for us from a Gather Lab perspective, just to kind of talk about how, you know, we are founded on and never even considered a, a cookie environment. So it was cool. Um, and then obviously the big news that, you know, was finalized today where there had been lots of talk for a long time, but that, that Mobile World Congress was officially canceled. Um, and so we had actually just decided not to attend that and kind of make some other arrangements and plans last minute. Um, just because, you know, so many partners and prospects were, were pulling out of the event. And so, um, you know, that's definitely a big thing going on in, in the industry lots of changes for people and you know maybe for the better nobody wants to be getting sick yeah absolutely no it, it's uh i mean what can you do right i mean i think i think you know caution you, you gotta be you gotta be careful and you know you and i travel a lot there's a lot of 
events going on, especially events like that, where you just have so much international presence, so many big companies, um, you know, there you, get, you, you sort of, especially when you have your, you know, senior leadership of your companies attending these things, it, you got to be careful, right? So, um, yeah. so yeah, it's, uh, I don't begrudge them. And then at the same time, you know, it, it's sort of, uh, maybe uh, maybe time to do uh, you know smaller scale things you know more regionally I don't know so location based you know location based there you go yeah all right anyhow so we've got a good show coming up for you um, the uh, three industry news stories uh, this week three member news stories uh, kind of going all over the world this week in terms of the, the stuff we're covering so I'll let you kick it off all right well let's start in Korea um, and we've got some fashion retailers that are trying to sort of, you know, combat the massive scale that e-commerce is gaining. And, um, you know, they are trying to think about like what kind of technology they can employ to draw people to come into their stores um, and, you know, just kind of do more fulfillment from their location, brick and mortar location. Um, so this is Lottie. I think that's right. L-O-T-T-E. And so there's a few different um, customers that are inside of, it seems like it's like this giant sort of shopping center, shopping mall in Korea. Um, and so it, there's lots of like vendors and shops inside of it, but there's a few that are, are sort of going the extra mile and in, in combating e-commerce with a few um, pretty unique offerings, I think. Um, and so I'll just highlight a few of those. So there's um, a local fashion brand that is called MK. Um, and they have this fitting room that's been installed with a like a tablet PC type of thing and they can use that to show clothes that can pair well with other things that you've brought into the dressing room so you know giving you options I guess for outfits and pairing and um, it can also use real-time location tracking to like accumulate data on um, clothes that have been purchased tried on and you know I guess tapped by other um, customers that they liked and paired well together. And then there's another one um, that's called Mojix. Oh, well, for that one, actually, it's Mojix APEC is the RFID solution provider. Mm -hmm. So they partnered with them on that. Um, and then there's another company called Makers Lab. Um, and so they're using, this one's kind of like, I don't know, it's a little weird to me, it's a little creepy, but I guess I get it. So they have this thermal camera they've installed, right? And the thermal camera is like mounted on the ceiling and it can identify a customer's um, gender and age uh, range. And so they use this data to sort of identify products that might resonate well with a certain age group and gender. Um, and so that's kind of interesting, uh, yeah. And then there's another one called Elan Spouse Times Square Shop. And they're also using an RFID technology. And this will let store employees know when something is sold. Um, or, you know, then they can advise the employees to like refill it so it doesn't run out. Um, and it also will like minimize the time that it takes to get that filled. So it kind of links into, I guess, like their warehouse location. So they use the location-based technology to say like, where is this product located in the warehouse? As well as where is this product need to be stocked into the store? Um, so that they can kind of make sure those are filled up. So that's another interesting use case. And my favorite example here of one that they're doing is um, this, this company is like a health and beauty store. It's called CJ Olive Young. And so they have been using some technology that ha over the past year, since I think December of 2018, and they're using it to help with same day orders and delivery of those same day orders. 
And so this is more of like, obviously just fulfillment and getting stuff to people very quickly. Think of an Amazon now type of a concept. And they saw service jump tenfold in one year after they um, introduced this technology, which is huge. So basically they deliver goods to online orders within three hours and they want to reduce that into 30 minutes. So for like beauty products and health care stuff, I really like this. And I would love for there to be more options like this, you know, like I would love for, for example, like Sephora or anything like that to be able to um, do same day fulfillment. I think that would be amazing. Um, you know, I just think there's like so much opportunity there. For example, I've had a Sephora gift card in my wallet for like two years that somebody gave me. And the reason why I don't use it is because I just don't ever have time to go into the store. And I'm like, it's not worth paying shipping on stuff because not that expensive of a gift card. You know, if I'm in the mall sometimes, then I'll go. But like, you know, there's yeah. just, there should be more of this besides just Amazon, right? So um, I like these uh, ideas, most of them. Thermal camera, I could stay away from. But um, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, it's super interesting. For, for me, the interesting thread here is all of these solutions in, in these different shops, whether it's the thermal camera or the RFID to look at the movements of products inside of the store from a micro location point of view or, you know, the same day delivery, it all sits on location data and, and, and solutions, right? So, you know, it's sort of central to kind of our world. And, you know, it's funny because like when we do things like our local conference last week or retail locos or whatever events we're putting on, you know, we, we touch on all of these things. We, you know, as you know, the last year we've had panels on same day delivery last mile. We've had, you know, panels that took talk about indoor micro location and, and so on. Right. So it, it's cool that you can see like one mall environment where all of these things are kind of being played around with and, and experimented with. So I, I think it's super cool. I wish more, retail would embrace that and you know on the thermal thing i'm a little it, yeah it's a little creepy but at the same time i'm i'm all for it because i think um at the end of the day i think uh we need to have uh these types of solutions to give us you know the data that we're looking for on on gender and and you know just better ability to to build and, and stock stores with the right product for the people who are coming in there um, and I think at the end of the day, that's, it, it's, as long as it's done in a privacy compliant, you know, anonymous type of framework, then I don't really have any big issues with it. Um, you know, we're definitely not as creepy as like facial recognition, right? But it could be misleading in some cases. Yeah, it, it's, like well, that's the thing, right? It's, in this case, it's not, right? It, it's facial detection, which is like a whole sort of in the industry, they have this separation of. You know, we recognize the face versus we map the face to determine, you know. Well, this is actually just using your body heat. To yeah, so it's a whole different. gender, so it's not even looking at your face whatsoever, yeah. which is really interesting. I mean, it's super anonymous. Like, I don't have a problem with that. It's just kind of weird. Yeah, like, and there's a lot of other things coming. I know Amazon's playing around with, like, things like gait analysis and other things yeah. that do similar things, right? Because I guess basically they're, like, looking at your body composition and, like, where you are carrying heat. Yeah, so yeah, come on. Like your, your Come genital on, yeah. locations to determine your sex, right? That's what we're talking about. Something <laughs> so like you're that. like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All right, well. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's a hot head. <laughs> uh, oh, that's all right. a little bit red. Like that one's like really big. That must yeah, be yeah. Cool. Okay. Wide, so. but, but then it gets into, you know, you can say, you know, uh, I don't want to get into ethnicity and all that too, because it... <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. Then they could definitely start to say like, it's, okay. It, it's a factor. It's a factor. Uh, Anyways. All right. On to our second story. Okay. Going from Korea to India now. Um, so the Indian Space Research Organization, ISRO, uh, has, uh, they've been working on this for a long time now, but they basically have brought uh, to market commercially now uh, something called NAVIC, which is their uh, alternative to GPS. And so obviously we're all familiar with GPS. We've all been using it for eons here in North America. And, you know, there's, there's only a handful of countries around the world that have their own satellite systems out there. Obviously in the U.S., in North America, we use the GPS, the Global Positioning System, and in uh, Russia, they have Glasnost, and you know, and uh, you know, the Chinese have their own system as well. Um, the, uh, the the Beidou system, and, and obviously Europe itself has Galileo. So, the the backstory to this is that India, at some point, you know, when there was conflict going on in 1999 between them and Pakistan, wanted to use GPS. They asked the U.S. Uh, for you know GPS access to to see where some troop movements were. And the U.S. said no, and from that moment on, they're like, I guess we need to, you know, build our own system and become, you know, sort of self-reliant. And so they started out on this process to build this thing called NAVIC. So it's it's now live, it's now functional 20 years later, and um, it consists of seven satellites. And the cool thing is, is that uh, the accuracy of this system is far better than the GPS system we have here in North so, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, accuracy that can, can get down to just a couple of meters uh, now, right? Where, you know, uh, the systems that we're used to are, you know, not that great. They're getting better. There's new, there's new satellites going up in, uh, in and around GPS uh, today. But, um, you know, there's, uh, there, there's a, you know, a lot that needs to be done. Uh, so the, the way they're kind of positioning this in the market is that there's going to be kind of two layers to this sort of uh, what they call SPS, which is standard position services, which is open to sort of all civilian users, just the general population. And then there's another layer, which they call restricted services, which obviously they reserve for themselves for, you know, military defense, intelligence purposes and things like that. So, uh, pretty cool that they've got their own system now. Um, pretty, you know, they, you know, they're really positioning this, the standard part of this as something that uh, will get used heavily, uh, you know, within the Indian market for services like Uber and Ola Cabs and Google Maps and all of that will use this system just because of its accuracy and its, you know, focus on, on the market. So uh, they, they, they see this as sort of opening up, you know, sort of a whole breadth of consumer facing location based, uh, you know, uh, platforms and services. So pretty cool. Yeah, it is really cool. It's great to see that, you know, even 20 years later, things that we think are super advanced or, you know, traditionally work pretty well, there's, there's always ways to improve upon those. And the next story is very similarly aligned because um, this company, NextNav, has raised um, $120 million and they are also in the GPS space. So mm -hmm. this is pretty interesting, like two stories back to back, right? So you've got um, NextNav is, um, they're raising this for their 3D geolocation services in the US. Um, and so they, they led this investment round with Fortress Investment Group. And um, this was uh, all of their, their former existing, you know, base of 
investors participated as well, but um, they're looking to raise capital to deploy a platform known as Metropolitan Beacon System, so MBS. Um, and so this is basically like, it has precise um, altitude determination capability. So they're calling this like their Z service. So if you think of it, basically currently location services provides like X, Y coordinates, right? So this is providing the Z dimension, um, which again, as you mentioned with the other GPS system, this will also be within like three meters of floor level. Um, so, you know, think about how important this is going to be when it comes to, um, you know, I think of a lot of like, we were talking about that, um, the Lottie mall, right? Like, you know, yeah. a lot of times in different, um, Asia, Asian countries that are like more dense in specific city areas. They have a lot of shopping malls with like multiple floors. It's not like your traditional two or three story mall. Um, and so kind of locating people within specific stores is, you know, proven to be difficult. And this seems like it'll be accurate enough to be able to sort of, um, you know, go beyond that. And so, um, you know, this is interesting. So it'll provide uh, precise 3D position, navigation and timing indoors and in urban areas. Um, and then it can also act as a backup to GPS for critical uh, infrastructure, mobile phones, IoT devices, autonomous systems, all those things. Um, but what I think this is like kind of the overarching idea for this story and um, for probably why they were able to raise 120 million is because this is gonna be used mostly, um, well, probably like primarily and kind of what they're hoping for um, in terms of traction is it's gonna be used to um, to meet the FCC's 911 requirements for precise altitude determination for all of the drones and autonomous systems. So you think of all these drone delivery um, type of pilots that we've seen a lot of the companies like um, I think Uber and we saw somebody uh, partner with CVS to do like the, the drugstore deliveries testing. And so this is something that's going to be required for them to be able to probably scale that. Um, and so there's the, there are companies that are looking to try and, um, you know, take advantage of that and provide that that type of um, offering. So that is again next nav. Um, yeah, so it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Super cool. Um, you know, so sure tying this back, the one thing I forgot to mention about the the Indian story is that they've and part of this announcement for them was they partner with Qualcomm uh, to integrate this capability, the, the recognition or the, the, the nav IC chipset, uh, is part of the Qualcomm uh, piece into devices, Android devices and, uh, uh, Janome, Realme, all these sort of manufacturers of smartphones are sort of embracing this thing. So that, that's a, an interesting thing. And the reason I bring that up with Qualcomm is, you know, part of, you know, what we've done over the years with the LVMA in terms of, you know, test projects and things, especially in markets in, in APAC like Singapore, where you have a lot of shopping malls or in Tokyo, uh, in environments like that where you have high density retail, you know, that basically is vertical. Because um, unlike North America, they just don't have the space. So you have these massive shopping malls that are like, you know, 20 stories tall or whatever, like it's ridiculous. And so when it comes to uh, location and, and positioning, um, you know, the altitude, the Z axis becomes really interesting. And so many smartphones in those markets, uh, you know, uh, have, you know, Qualcomm has been a big player in that from a chipset perspective, uh, you know, in factoring in not just GPS or Bluetooth or Wi-Fi uh, for position determination, but even, you know, incorporating things like barometric sensors because you can use that to measure altitude. 
Um, and, and so blending that in, uh, you know, as, as a mixture in there kind of gives you the ability to kind of do that. So, you know, what I'm seeing in this story here with NextNav is, is really about, you know, the scalability of those kinds of things. And then when you talk about the, um, you know, the emergency services part of this or sort of being compliant with, you know, NextGen E911 and, and things like that, that's to me where it becomes, you know, really, really important. You know, I, I, I was on a panel last year sometime and, you know, we're, the, there was a carrier consortium there and we were talking about, you know, this, uh, there's an initiative alongside, you know, partner with in the U.S. with the 911 uh, side of things uh, called, I think it's called NEED. Uh, it's the National Emergency Address Database, I believe. Um, and so what they were talking about is, is they're trying to get hardware manufacturers to uh, embed uh, the E911 capability into, from a location perspective, into the chipsets of, of, of their products, into the firmware and, and the chipsets of their products. So things like Wi-Fi routers, smoke detectors, you know, thermostats, you know, things in buildings to be able to, you know, be part of the E911 framework so that when you hit a button to say, you know, somebody's having a heart attack in this building right now, you know, it's not just the GPS or whatever's on the phone uh, or the cellular network that the phone's connected to, but it can also then add in the closest, you know, router or smoke detector or whatever it is into that mix to give you much more accurate uh, mm-hmm. you know, location and to get the emergency services there faster to save lives, all those kinds of things. So to me, that's, you know, what I'm really excited about, about a story like this is it's $120 million. Yes. It's going to help them grow and expand and, and do all the things that they want to do. But at the end of the day, if we can use location services to save more people and lives, then that's, that's the best thing that can ever happen. So there you go. So congratulations next now. All right, so that's our uh, our three industry news stories for this week. Now we get to shift over and talk about our favorite part of the show, which is our members and some of the things that they've been up to in the last week or so. So uh, first off is Google, uh, you know, never standing still, these guys at Google. Uh, so they're in celebration of the 15th anniversary of Google Maps. They are announcing a whole bunch of new upgrades to Google Maps itself for both iOS and Android, including uh, crowdsource transit data, uh, restaurant guidance, and other destination information, uh, as well as what I think is super interesting, a live, what they call a live view AR tool. Um, so basically, uh, in Google Maps on your smartphone app, you'll have three new tabs at the bottom of the screen called Saved, Contribute, and Updates. Um, and so essentially, um, you know, you're, you know, you can you can basically have uh, through that the ability to contribute data to the platform in terms of the crowdsourcing transit data and all that sort of stuff. Much in the same way that people, I guess, contribute to things like Waze. Um, you know, in terms of where there's accidents and, and, and those types of things. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, but the, the AR piece to me is super interesting. So they, they, they describe this as an overlay of digital guides to indicate which way to walk and identify nearby objects. It also will show how far a destination is using redesigned markers. And it combines street, street views, real world, real world imagery with machine learning and smartphone sensors. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I look forward to playing around with that and seeing kind of what you can do with the, the AR uh, view piece of it. 
Yeah, this is cool. I, you know, I always think that some viewing something live and in real time just is so necessary for a lot of things. I mean, I think that it could like, depending on where you are, obviously, and what the location is, it could be a little uncomfortable if you're like at a healthcare facility or something like that. But, you know, when you think about like going out or going to a restaurant or going, you know, shopping or anything, you kind of want to know like what you're getting into before you get there. Right. So mm-hmm. is there going to be a long wait? How crazy is the traffic? Um, you know, or if you're young, like is the club pop? And you know, if, if people actually say that anymore, I don't know, like, is it, is it like a good, you know, crowd? Is there enough people there that I want to go and be at this club or bar or whatever scene? Is that what um, you do on the weekend? Here? Yeah, totally. I take my two kids out. Like we just like load up. <laughs> We hit the bars, man. We we do bar hopping. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I don't know, but like, I think that that's really a great feature. I think it's, um, I I mean, we've been been talking, like we've been telling stories at least every other month about different features that Google's integrating into their maps. So it's not like this is just like, you know, out of nowhere and, Mm. and, you know, um, they have continually tweaked and added features, I think, um, both for businesses and consumers. So I think it's cool. Well, and you can't stand still. I mean, a- a- Apple, despite all the hiccups and everything else, actually has now a decent map product, like a native map product. Um, so I guess Google's looking at it going, hey, you know, we don't want to lose any share. You know, we got we to gotta, we gotta stay, stay current and, and keep moving forward on maps. So there you go. Um, all right. So we're going to go to an Atlanta-based company here, Home Depot, and this is, they're testing out something. So this isn't like, they're not rolling it out to all their stores yet, but they're in pilot phase. Um, they're piloting actually um, in Philadelphia, my old stomping grounds, uh, this visual search software platform. So you can use it in the store to identify and illustrate um, and uh, you know scan and tell you where exactly this product is in the store. Um, the company they are partnering with and testing out is a Philadelphia based company called slice Inc. That's S L Y C E. And so basically they're a visual search and recognition company. Um, and you know, they kind of gave an example of like, you know, you're looking for some type of a specific bolt and you take a picture of it and then it shows you where it is and kind of illustrates where to find it. I mean, I think this is good. I, I like the idea of being able to have a visual search, but a lot of times when you're searching for something in the store, you don't actually have that product or you wouldn't be searching for it. So that was kind of funny to me. <laughs> like, mm. okay, so I'm going to do a visual search based off of what? Like, um, so I think that, you know, it's good. It would be great if maybe they could integrate it um, outside of the store, like in their app or, you know, where you can kind of get an idea, is it in the store before I even go there? Um, or I have this in my home and I need to replace it. Like, is it there? So I like the direction this is going. I think that there's something to it, but I'm not sure that um, going into the store to scan a product that's already in the store to then find it is actually beneficial. It also didn't say exactly like where, I mean, it says they're in kiosks, right? So you're scanning at a kiosk. So it's not like you're able to do it from your own device, which again, it's kind yeah, of like, the I, I assume like maybe you can go find one of these things and, and check it out. Um, or is this only it's in, Philadelphia? in Philadelphia right now? It's in Philadelphia, so it's not in Atlanta. I can yeah, it um, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, so as I was reading this story this week, I was thinking, um, you know, I'm assuming it's a kiosk with like a camera and you're like, okay, you know, 
I've got this thing at home and you know, I, I need to replace this, this one screw or this, this bolt or whatever. And so I take it in and like I, the machine scans it and then it says, okay, we have a, a you know, the exact replacement bolt or whatever. And it's in aisle 32, you know, over here. Right. I assume that's what we're talking about. So for me, you know, the kiosk thing is okay. It's interesting. The visual ability to search and find the product and be able to locate it quickly is good. It's cool. That's important. Um, but it's not really super innovative and new. I mean, like I remember, oh gosh, it must be four or five years ago on this show. We talked about, um, I don't even know if you were doing this at this time or was before you. Um, but we talked about, uh, Lowe's, uh, had a division, uh, I forgot the name of it now, uh, somewhere out in Southern California. Anyways, one of, one of their sub brands under Lowe's. Uh, and they were testing this thing called the Oshbot. I remember that's what it was called. And so essentially it's like this, except in the form of a robot. And so you walk into the store and you show the robot the thing, the robot scans it. The robot actually, I remember was multilingual as well. Um, and you like, it scans it. And then the robot's like, now follow me. And it takes you exactly to where that thing is in the store. Um, and, and you can find it. And that was like years ago. So you know, I, I, I think it's important. I think in a store like Home Depot or Lowe's or an environment like that, being able to find something quickly in a time starved economy and, and, you know, kind of society that we lived in, uh, live in today, this type of visual search helped me find what I'm looking for quickly and get in and out of the store fast is super important. So I applaud the effort on that. Um, I think there's some ways to improve on the delivery of it, whether that's in the form of a robot or through your own mobile phone or whatever. Um, you know, I think, uh, I, I think, you know, there's definitely room uh, to grow from here. So, but, but I like it. I think it's, it, it's, it's interesting. It's important. And it's certainly necessary in, in, uh, in today's culture. All right. There you go. All right. Final story. Well, right back here to, uh, to Canada, Air Canada. Uh, which I fly on an awful lot. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, has announced now that uh, integration for Canadian customers who are buying tickets on, online uh, with uh, supporting PayPal as a payment option. So, you know, nothing earth shattering about this at all. Um, although I think it's, um, for me, I, you know, I, as I said, I, I fly a lot on this airline. I book my tickets online through Air Canada. Uh, website and um, you know I usually pay via my corporate credit card you know or, or things like that um, you know is PayPal gonna change my life uh, here probably not um, but if I'm looking to do I'll tell you what if I'm looking to do something through their mobile app um, you know like pay for uh, you know uh, chocolate bar or, or some snack on the plane itself uh, through the the mobile app and I don't want to fish out my credit card and all that um, and I can just use PayPal or tap a button uh, to do that yeah that that to me is is convenient saves me time I'm not sure for booking my actual flight online I'm all of a sudden going to shift from my corporate credit card to PayPal it, I guess from a security perspective if I link my card to my PayPal account and then it's sort of abstracted that way in that it's, you know, my, my number and all that details behind it are sort of, you know, uh, obfuscated a layer down because it's PayPal, um, then that's okay too. Um, but this isn't going to change, you know, a lot for me. 
I think for, there, there is a category of customers, you know, the non-corporate customer, like the, you know, the regular consumer traveler who, you know, uses PayPal uh, a lot where this makes sense. And so, you know, I, I can definitely see the benefit there. But for me as a business traveler, that doesn't change much for me. I mean, I think every big business, you know, should integrate with as many payment offerings as possible. So I think this is great. Like, will I use it? Probably not. I mean, I don't fly on Air Canada anyways, but you know, if I was booking with Delta, I'm probably not going to use PayPal either. But I do agree that if it was something where, you know, what, what's really frustrating is like, you want to buy a snack or a drink on the plane. And now I've got to fish out a credit card. It's like, it's just so antiquated to me and it's a pain in the butt. So like, you know, even just joining the Wi-Fi is like, why do I have to do this? Why can't I just use, you know, Apple Pay or mm -hmm. use Sky Miles or use yes. anything, you know, like you should be able to do that. It should be so easy. It should be like yeah. any, any small purchase like that. I think this stuff makes sense, right? It just yeah. as many payment options, simple payment options as possible, right? I'm totally with you. Yeah. So, but I do think that like just giving the options is great. Yeah. There you go. By the way, I have to fly Delta next week, which I hardly ever do. So if you want to throw me any, you know, sky miles or whatever, like you'll feel free. Okay. <laughs> yes. So on that, note, on that note, we are, what I, I, I should have mentioned at the top of the, of the show is the LBMA is opening our newest chapter next week. Uh, so on the 19th, we are in Puerto Rico. And, uh, so yes, um, if you are down there, if you have operations in the area, come on down and see us in Puerto Rico. Yeah. That'll be a fun trip. Yeah. It'll be good. It'll baseball be season. Is up, the so there you go. Yeah. But I mean, baseball in Puerto Rico is like the best environment you might get. There you go. So. Awesome. All right. Uh, so that, yeah. So that's our show. Um, three industry news stories, three member news stories, uh, kind of all over the world in, in, you know, 30 minutes or so. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we appreciate you listening and watching every week. Uh, we hope uh, you are getting some benefit from this. If you are, of course, uh, reach out to us on any of the social channels uh, or the channels that you're listening to this on. Give us likes, give us stars, give us feedback. We love that kind of stuff. If you have story ideas, uh, let us know. We're always uh, open to those kinds of things. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week for 452. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Yeah.